as we continue our time of worship, if you would turn with me to the book of Titus, chapter 3. Beginning in verse 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior And his love for mankind appeared. He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that, being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Let us pray. Father God, as we come before you, as we continue our time of worship and adoration of who you are, let us seek to know and understand you more fully through the proclamation of your word. Let us stand confidently on this good and trustworthy message that Christ came in the form of man, lived that sinless life, died on that cross for the penalty we could not pay, but rose again on the third day. That He is resurrected, we may have hope that we may also be resurrected. Let us remember this in this Advent season, looking to Christ. It's in Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Bruce. I also want to thank you for filling in for me last week and bringing us a message of hope from Home Alone, as well as Isaiah 53. But um, I uh, got a chance to go out last week to Green Bay with Peyton for his senior trip. We got to watch the Packers win. It was kind of like a white Christmas because we got to have snow while we were there. And I think it's actually better than a white Christmas to have a white Lambeau field. Um, But it also took a toll because it was Get Loud Lambeau. And I did a lot of yelling in that cold, so my voice still has not quite recovered. So um, all of us pretty much sound a little rough and grumbly today. So I'm not sure if you noticed the keys of the song were just a little bit lower. But uh, I appreciate you singing along and being a part of that with us. Um, I'm going to take this moment to dismiss our kids to go to their classes. Go ahead and take your popcorn bags with you. And um, enjoy your time in there as you guys get a chance to learn. And the rest of you who will be staying with us today, I'm going to ask you to put on your trivia hats for the book slash movie of A Christmas Carol. And just FYI, the trivia today will be pretty general, covered by the book and most of the 200 plus adaptations of either 
movie, uh, radio, play, um, all the different sorts, TV shows, all of these things will all kind of be covered in these five questions that I have for you today. If you want to use your favorite search engines to find the answers, I'm perfectly fine with that as well, because if you know these answers off the top of your head, you need to go on Jeopardy. So um, the answers are also, as weird as it is, I put on this shirt this morning, it says uh, Marley and Scrooge's Counting House on it, just for my getting into the spirit of a Christmas carol, but I also realize the answers are on my shirt, so if you get up real close, it'll be weird. But here's the thing. Here's my first question for you. Easy one. You should know this already. But who is the original author of A Christmas Carol? Who actually raised their hand? We had trivia going on here. Charles Dickens, would you like to come up and pick up a candy cane from me here? Any one of the flavors there is good. You got it? Perfect. Oh, yeah, kids are like, yeah, all right. That's why I sent all the kids out, by the way. Um, by the way, if you want to watch a cool movie on Charles Dickens, uh, there's one on Prime called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Great movie to sit down and watch and just kind of see some of the backstory that comes with A Christmas Carol. Uh, the second one question is this, and this one's a little bit more difficult, but in what year did Dickens first publish A Christmas Carol? I, I know you're like, wow, yeah, now it's time to get out the church search engines, but... I will tell you, A, it's right here on my shirt, um, but it's also uh, now been in publication for 180 straight years. That might help you with your math. 1843 is correct, Ron. Come on down. Rollos will still work, right? Yeah. All right. All right, next question. This one's a tricky question. How many ghosts visit Ebenezer Scrooge? Three is almost correct. Four is completely correct, because we tend to forget Marley was also a ghost in all of that. These are my favorite. Yeah, then you can share them with me later, okay? All right, also on my shirt, this one should be fairly easy, but what English town does A Christmas Carol take place in? London is correct. Come on down, Josh. I would throw them, but I'm just not feeling confident. So. You sounded disappointed when you just said, oh, like, <laughs> sorry. I, I should have answered quicker, all right? Uh, last one. Who or what are the names of Scrooge's clerk and his disabled son? Little Larry, Tiny Tim, maybe, Super Small Steve. Um, if you've seen Spirited, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. That is correct. Come on down there, Jenny. And as you have heard already, thank you so much, we are going to be doing a Christmas carol. And with a Christmas carol, um, you, in the trivia answers that I've already given, you've had 180 years to catch this. So if you have not seen it, have not heard it, have not read it, I apologize for spoiling this for you because we're going to actually walk through the movie and the story with you. The first film variation actually came out in 1901, so you've even had more than 100 years to watch the video as well. It is a story of repentance. It is a story of redemption. It's a story that affects, I believe, each and every one of us. As a matter of fact, today I'm going to present to you a message a little bit 
different than I normally do. Instead of your typical three points and a conclusion, I, I want to walk with you through this story. I want to show you how it affects each and every one of us, and I want to make that biblical connection that Dickens, I think, probably leaned on for inspiration as he wrote this character of Scrooge. Today, we're going to look at a past. We're going to look at our past and how it leads us to the present if we continue down the same path that we're on, what the future could possibly look like. And I say possibly because we really don't know what the future is going to look like. This is a story that if we listen, and I emphasize if we listen, will help us see our lives for what they are and challenge us to respond to where we are at. Why? Because I think there's a Scrooge in all of us. I think there's a Scrooge in all of us. As a matter of fact, when we think of Charles Dickens in A Christmas Carol, we do think of three or four ghosts. And as we think of those four ghosts, the first ghost to appear is Scrooge's former boss. His former boss, Jacob Marley. Weighed down by the heavy burdens of his own sin and regrets, he comes in like a, a ghostly John the Baptist kind of form. And he's, he's announcing that there's a coming of a trinity of ghosts who are going to bring about Scrooge's redemption. And he says this. Dickens writes, I am here tonight to warn you, he tells Scrooge, that you have yet a chance and a hope of escaping my fate. You still have a chance. The second ghost appears as the ghost of Christmas past. In seeing it, the ghost is known but distant very much like our own past. Known, but distant. After being shown visions of past Christmases, Scrooge realizes the person that he was doesn't look anything like the person that he's become. Who he was has not become what he wanted to be. His bitterness and his hurt, excuse me. His bitterness and his hurt had consumed any hint of love, any hint of compassion that he once knew. All joy in his life is gone. His redemption story begins with the realization that the path that he is on is not the path that he was called to. It's not the path that God had planned out for him. The next ghost is the ghost of Christmas present. And the ghost of Christmas present, he's unlike the ghost of Christmas past, that he is present and real. He is present and real. And just like at this moment, right here, right now, is very real and very present for each and every one of us. Now, as we look at it, you see in the video, you watch the movie, Scrooge can feel the warmth of the fireplace. He can, he can smell the turkey. He, he, can, he can feel. Unlike the ghost of Christmas past that showed Scrooge who he'd become by showing who he used to be, the ghost of Christmas present is showing him who he is by what people think of him, the people around and what they think of him. These two ghosts show Scrooge exactly what he's become. They show him the, in the hardness of his heart. They show him that, that he lacks the desire to take care of those in poverty, lacks the desire to, to take care of the needs around them. And really, he just has a disdain for the humanity of life. We watched it on, on Friday night. And as we watched, one of the things that stood out to me that I, I didn't actually remember was when he said, well, I just hope they all hurry up and die as to get rid of the surplus population those poor people out there. He had lost all joy. He had lost all his desires for anybody else. The only thing that he thought about was his money. And the problem is, is that he began to realize as the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas present began to show him 
that money in this world truly amounts to nothing. It amounts to nothing. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Because as we begin to look at it, you're going to see in Scrooge's case, it wasn't thieves that began to break in and steal. It was his help. It was his maid. It was the undertaker that began to steal from him and then barter with pawnbrokers to get money from him. Then the clock strikes one. And Scrooge is greeted by the ghost of Christmas future. I want you to listen to the description that Dickens gives this ghost. It says this, Solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him. The phantom slowly, gravely, silently approached. The very air through which the spirit moved seemed to scatter gloom and mystery. It was shrouded in a deep black garment which concealed its head, its face, its form, and nothing of it visible save one outstretched hand. But for this, it would have been difficult to detach its figure from the night and separate it from the darkness by which it was surrounded. Am I in the presence of a ghost of Christmas yet to come, said Scrooge, and the spirit answered not, but pointed onward with his hand. You know, I hear a lot of people talk about how they're haunted by their past. I've had many a counseling session where I've talked about people have said, you know, this is who I once was. It's like what Pastor Bruce read up front as he read from Titus chapter 3 when it said, we were foolish, we were disobedient, we were deceived, we were enslaved, which is interesting as Marley comes in what? Chains. We were enslaved by our passions and our desires. And so we see that play itself out and, and we are haunted by those things that we once were. We're hunted by the things that, that others have done to us. We're, we're haunted. But I think people are more haunted by the future than they are by the past. Because there's an unknowingness of what is going to take place. When Scrooge meets the ghost of Christmas, yet to come, he cries out, Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any other specter. I fear you more. And I truly think that we fall into that. I, I think that as we look at yesterday, yesterday is a memory. It's problems, it's monsters. They really can't touch us today. They can haunt us. They can whisper in our ear. They can tell us things of where we have failed. The present's here now, always moving towards the future. But we have to understand that in the future, anything can happen. And that can scare us. That can scare us. But the thing that I believe is that people struggle with is these horrors and, and what monsters lurk in the shadow just around the corner. What might happen? I mean, when you look at Dickens' description of the future that I read to you, it was dark, draped and hooded, moving forward like a mist. You can't see its face. You can't see its shape. You can't see its form. You can't see tomorrow or the day after. As a matter of fact, I, I think about Psalm 119, uh, verse 105. You've probably heard it before. Uh, we used to sing it as a, uh, as a worship song. It was, um, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I think about that often because it wasn't a high beam LED flashlight shining way off into the future. It was just the next step. But then you go over to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding and all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make that path straight he's going to take you on that next step 
When we fear the future, we have to remember like that song, uh, that old hymn, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future. We may not understand what's going to happen next, but we know the God who does. And we know the God who's going to take us through that. And as we look at the future and we look at these things, we have to understand even this ghost of Christmas yet to come, he doesn't speak. Because the future will not speak to us. It has no voice. Like Scrooge, all we can do is follow the pointing finger. And that's God's finger in our lives. Where to go next? And like Scrooge, I'm guessing the ghost of Christmas futures is, is the one that we fear the most. The one that keeps us tossing and turning in our beds at night. Worrying and wondering what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. We fear and we worry about what the future will bring. I told you up front when I was talking about the budget meeting that that, that scares me. That number scares me. Knowing that we're pushing forward because at any point in time, this church could, could have a, a division. I, I'm praying that it never happens, but it could have a division. If it has a division and two different groups go two different ways, well, that kind of shoots anything you might want to have for a budget. But in it all, it's, it's like this. I was explaining to, to the trustees that when you're budgeting for a church, it's not like when you budget at your house. You budget your house for what's going to be your income for that year. You know you have a pretty steady paycheck. You know this is the way it's going to be and so on and so forth. But when it comes to church, you have to, you have to budget according to what God calls you to do. Because there's ministries out there that, that we don't even know exist yet that, that, that God's going to call us to and push us to. And, and it may not fall into, into our little, okay, here's our box. God doesn't think inside of a box. He's way outside the box. And so we have to remember that. We have to remember that even though there's problems and things that could go wrong, we have to trust God in each and every one of those things. And what happens next? And what happens next in the story is I hear this hope that this Scrooge has now gone through these four ghosts and I hear this hope and it's almost like a prayer as he's talking with the ghost of Christmas is yet to come. It says, men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which if persevered in, they must lead. Now listen to these next words. But if the course be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with that which you show me. Scrooge is talking to the ghost of Christmas, or ghost of Christmas is yet to come. And he says this, if I change my ways, if I depart from the course that I'm on, if I, we use this Christian word called repent. To repent is to do a 180, to change. Can I change my future and can I change my fate? And the spirit of Christmas is yet to come as described as this shadowy, dark figure, reminiscent of the Grim Reaper. It's a scary thing to look at. But listen to also what Dickens says as Scrooge responds to the future. He says, But as I know your purpose is to do good, Scrooge tells the Spirit, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear your company and do it with a thankful heart. Scrooge knows what's ahead of him. He knows this ghost's purpose is to wake him up, to make him into a changed man. Sometimes awakening is necessary. Sometimes we get into coast mode and we, we, we miss everything. Have you ever driven someplace and wondered how you got there? Anybody do that on the way to church this morning? You're like, did I run any red lights on the way here? Because I just wasn't fully paying attention. That's kind of what we get in life sometimes. 
And this ghost is there to, to wake him up. And sometimes that awakening is painful. And sometimes you might even just call it discipline. As a matter of fact, going back to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 11, 12. It, the, the writer says this. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son. And do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves just as the father disciplines the son in whom he delights. I can guarantee that what Scrooge is going through, he does not like. But he doesn't despise it either. He steps up in courage to face it. See, courage isn't the absence of fear. It is the courage to do the right thing. It's the choice to do the right thing, taking the right action, even when you're scared out of your mind. Terrified as he is, Scrooge actually is very courageous. I mean, think about the amount of courage it probably took to face your past, to face your present, and to look at the future and what it may or may not hold. The courage to face that truth. I'd have to ask you this. Would any of you want to have to go through what Scrooge goes through? I think that's the reason why this movie as a Christmas movie has always affected me the most. Anytime I watch it, it just makes you reflect and go, man, would I even want to have to face my past? Would I even want to have to face even my present and especially not knowing what the future holds. There's a part of the story where Scrooge is with that ghost of Christmas that come. And you know what he does? He takes him to people after he's died. And he starts having them tell stories about what they thought of Scrooge. Hey, you going to his funeral? I don't know. Are they serving lunch? That's one of the discussions they have. Um, I wonder what they're going to do with all of this money. I wonder if there's anything that, that I could could have connected with him. Nope, that was never talked about. I wonder if I could have spent more time. Nope, that was never talked about. All that was talked about, even by his business partners that he looked up to, was, you know, we didn't even really pay that close attention to him. We don't even really realize that he's gone. I think about that in my own life. And I go, man, do I, I want to be in that place? Do I want to be in a place where I'm so concerned with one thing that the people who really matter don't even care that I'm gone? And that began to get me thinking as he watches his maid and his help steal his stuff. We watched the, the Jim Carrey version, uh, the Disney one, this kind of animated, kind of Polar Express style. And uh, he's laying there on the sheet. And he's like, hey, who, who's under that sheet? And, the, and you just see the shadow of the finger over the top. Nobody's there to care for him. Nobody's there to prepare his corpse even for burial. No one to sit by his bed at night and watch over him. No one even sheds a tear or grieves his being gone. Nobody says a a kind word. So he talks to the spirit and he says, Spirit this, he goes, any person in the town, please show me, who feels emotion caused by this man's death, show me that person, spirit, I beseech you. They find one group that's happy. That's the only emotion. A couple who owed Scrooge a boatload of money. And they're glad that he's dead because he, he, they don't have to pay it anymore. Or even if they did have to pay it, at least they wouldn't be as bad as Scrooge to have to pay back on that collecting of debt. Compare that to what Scrooge sees when in the Cratchit home, Tiny Tim has also passed away. When he's passed away, there's a continuous stream of people into the Cratchit home asking, hey, what can we do? How can we help you? How can we come alongside you? As a matter of fact, Scrooge's nephew, Fred, um, which was going to be one of my trivia questions, offers Bob Cratchit's oldest son a job. 
Tim's remembered with sadness and joy, but guess what Scrooge is remembered with? Nothing. Nothing at all. His headstone's neglected. It's overgrown with weeds. Tim's tiny Tim's final resting place is, as is recorded, a lovely green spot that the father visits every Sunday. Nobody visits Scrooge's place. Scrooge's midnight journey then leads him to the grave. And the reality is, is this is the future of all of us. Leading to the grave. It's going to happen there. And this was he sees. He sees that he's going to die alone, without friends, without anybody to mourn him, that his grave is forgotten and his memory is also forgotten. And you might say, well, what does that have to do? Well, listen to what it says next. Scrooge talking to the, the ghost. It says, is this the future as it will be? Or is this the future as it could be? Spirit, hear me, Scrooge cries out. I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I must have been, but for this intercourse. And this is the line that stands out to me the most. Why show me this if I am past all hope? And my answer is exactly. Why show him this if there is no chance of repentance? Why show him this if there is no chance or hope of redemption? Standing before his neglected tombstone, Scrooge pleads with the ghost of Christmas yet to come this. Assure me that I may change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life of repentance. I will honor Christmas in my heart and I will try to keep it all the year, which is an interesting statement to me. What does that even mean to keep Christmas all year? I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I shall not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, tell me so that I may sponge away the writing on this stone. How do I change my fate? Well, let me tell you something. John 3, 16 and 17 talks about that. It says these words, For God so loved the world, and all the squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scratching, uh, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinners in it, just like Scrooge and just like each and every one of us. God so loved the world in this way that he gave his only son, his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. When you realize that you cannot do it on your own, when you realize that your way is not working, when you realize your need for a savior, the process of redemption begins. And that's what we have seen with Scrooge. It hasn't been easy. It's been difficult and painful. Nobody again wants to watch that stuff. At one point, he actually cries out in in desperation to the ghost of Christmas, I don't have the power, spirit. I don't have the power. That realization is a huge realization for each and every one of us. Have you ever been in that place? When you realize you can't do it? Can I identify with Scrooge and what he's been through? Yes, I can. How about you? Do, you? do you understand that feeling? Have you ever cried out to God, I don't have the power, God. I, I want to change. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried, but I just keep failing. I can't do it. I don't have the strength. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul was in that place in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 7, verse 15 says, For I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. I keep doing it. I keep falling. I keep failing. Can we relate to that struggle of Scrooge? Can we relate to that struggle of Paul? Do you, do you know what it's like to be that wretched person 
I would have to say, I think all of us at some point in time do. You know what it feels like to want to change, to not have the power? Well, I told you up front that as you go through this story, I truly believe there was a biblical character that Scrooge was relying on. Now, it wasn't in any movie. I haven't seen this. I haven't read in a book. So this is something I, I, I think. But as I read them and compare them side by side, I see a biblical character that, that Scrooge might be based on. It was this wee little man who climbed up in a sycamore tree. You probably know his name. His name is Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus' story is found in Luke chapter 19. Now here's something interesting about Zacchaeus that you may or may not know, but the, the word Zacchaeus, the name Zacchaeus means the righteous one. The righteous one, which is an interesting thing to think about because he wasn't exactly righteous. I tell you that because of this, the word Ebenezer. It also has a specific meaning. We sang it up there. My favorite, probably my favorite hymn of all time is Come Thou Fount. And it says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Now, that's probably a word that goes over most people's heads. We sing it, but what the idea of, of an Ebenezer is, is this. It's a stone of help. It's a monument of a reminder of where God has helped. Interesting that his name is Ebenezer, where God is helping him come to the realization of who he is. I find it interesting with that as well as with Zacchaeus and this idea of him being the righteous one because as a Jewish tax collector, he was considered a traitor. He was declared unclean by the priests and excommunicated from corporate worship and the Jewish community. And he wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. The chief tax collector, in order to become a chief tax collector, you have to make a bid for the position and agree to pay Rome a certain amount of money, do it well, and then they will promote you to chief. So in that, as a chief, you are now over the entire area, so you are also the one who's choosing other tax collectors, as well as you're probably taking bribes because people want to be in that position. You are wealthy, and you are feared. And you are also hated. Who's that sound like? Scrooge. Wealthy, hated, and feared. If Zacchaeus didn't like you or you crossed him, he could just raise your taxes. Not only could he just raise your taxes, he could actually call in a Roman garrison and say, hey, this guy owes taxes and won't pay it and you'll get a little visit from a bunch of soldiers. Not something any of us want. Not something any of us need. So he was hated and feared in that way and the thing is, he wasn't doing it illegally. He had the full force of the Roman government behind him. Scrooge wasn't a crook either. He did everything by the book. He had the full force of British law behind him. Even though the Israelites suffered under Rome, it's the same type of oppression that Bob Cratchit had suffering under Scrooge's tight fist rule. You could describe Zacchaeus in much the same way as Dickens described Scrooge at the very beginning. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. And they'd be accurate, wouldn't they? He loved money more than kin and country. Same thing with Scrooge. They were hated by everyone. They sold out their own people for the sake of wealth, giving allegiance to the occupying Romans or the, the occupying taxes that are there. Um, Scrooge's fiancée actually says this. She says, you've given your love to this golden idol instead of the love to the God of your ancestors. Jesus said in the great commandment, to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And there was a second one, to love your neighbor 
as yourself. Scrooge and Zacchaeus both fail at both of those. Plain and simple. Zacchaeus did not love his neighbor. He taxed him. Scrooge did not love his neighbor. As a matter of fact, throughout it, you see a boy singing Christmas carols. And he tells him to get lost. The, the, the nephew says, hey, come to our Christmas party. He rudely disagrees over and over and over again every year. You see him uh, turn down the person that says, hey, we're trying to raise money for the poor. And he says that line of, well, hopefully they just hurry up and die. I mean, that's the, the, the love that you see in all of this. He chooses money over his fiance. You could say that Titus 3, 3, that, that Pastor Bruce right up front is the condition of both of them before repentance. For we too once were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved. The chains that we forged right there. By various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and detesting one another. The thing is, is Zacchaeus somehow must have had some sort of understanding of who he was and, and where he was going in his life. My guess is he wasn't visited by ghosts. I don't know. It's not mentioned in the story. But it may have been the fact that his past did haunt him. And his current present position was something that he really despised. Something that led him to climb up that sycamore t- tree that day to catch just a glimpse of this popular rabbi from Nazareth who happened to be passing through town. This rabbi that everybody was talking about that was doing these healings in so many different lives. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus must have heard that, that Jesus was more than just a good teacher, but he was a great healer. And he had opened his heart to everyone. Maybe, just maybe, he could be a part of that. As he sat in the branches of that tree and he saw Jesus coming, you ever wonder what was going through his mind? You ever wonder what was going on inside of his heart? What was he looking for? What was the thing that was stirring inside of him? Maybe like Scrooge, he'd gotten a sense of who he was. Maybe like Scrooge, he, he realized what he had done in his life that had led him to where he was at and he realized all the things that he'd done to the people around him and where he was headed if he didn't repent and stop doing what he was doing. Maybe that's where it's at. While he was up in that tree, something amazing happens. You probably have heard the story or sang the song at some point. But with a big crowd around, everybody trying to get the attention of Jesus, he scoots through them all, calls out Zacchaeus by name, and says, hey, I'm going to eat dinner at your house tonight. Invites himself into his life. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, and he saw something that nobody else could see, a heart that needed and wanted to be changed. As a matter of fact, I think it's very well described in Titus 3, 4. After what you once were, listen to what it says. But when the kindness of our God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, what's this whole Advent season about? The waiting for the appearance of Jesus. He saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy, through the washing of the regeneration and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. He poured out His Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord so that having been justified by His grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. What's the result? Luke 19, 8 says these words, But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I give half of my possessions to the poor Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. That's the result. The ghost of Jacob Marley comes to Scrooge and sets up three ghostly visits with the hope that Scrooge will change his ways while he still has a chance and still has that hope. You know what he does? 
He does. If you've watched it or read it, you know, he wakes up Christmas morning, not realizing it's even Christmas morning, but he says these words, I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel, as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. A merry Christmas to everyone. Oh, Jacob Marley, heaven and the Christmas time be praised for this. I say it on my knees, old Jacob on my knees. A man of repentance has been redeemed. A new man. He's become a new man. He orders what? He sticks his head out the window, tells the kid going by, hey, is that giant turkey still in the butcher shop? I want you to take it over to Bob Cratchit's house right now. If you do it quick, I'm going to give you half a crown. I have no idea what that means, but it obviously is good because the kid went running. Now, the thing is, is as you look, you see he also gives Bob Cratchit a raise. He runs into one of the gentlemen that was in his office asking for the money for the poor. Where he said, I wish they'd just all go and die. He says, hey, I'm going to give you extra. I'm going to give you back payments from what I've already done before. There's a change that takes place. He does the medical care necessary for Tiny Tim to survive. He gives to the poor, and he gives back to the ones who've been defrauded. Weird how it falls right in line with Zacchaeus. After this redemption, you know what else he does? He goes to the church and prays. He didn't see that in the Disney version, but he does in the book. When Zacchaeus climbs into the tree in search of Jesus, Jesus comes to him. When Scrooge pleads for a second chance, it's granted. Zacchaeus wants to change but lacks the power. Scrooge wants to change but lacks the power. There's two words we've used a lot this year, and that is, but God. But God had the power that they lacked. God has the power that each and every one of us lack. I'm sure that, that everyone who heard Jesus invite himself over to Zacchaeus, his house, must have grumbled and wondered why Jesus would do such a thing. What good would come out of it? Zacchaeus was beyond hope. That's the human perspective, right? And yet in Scripture we see what happened. Zacchaeus was a changed man, a new man. Would you say that everyone thought that Scrooge was beyond hope? I mean, maybe just his nephew Fred was the only one. He's the only one that actually said, actually he says this. He says, he's a comical old fellow, Scrooge's nephew would explain. That's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. That's the words written in there. That he might be. There, there's a hope that is there. Not so pleasant as he might be. He understands there's a potential. There's a potential there. What people have we written off because we don't think there's a potential there? What people have we written off in this way? But then guess what happens? Scrooge goes to dinner. He goes to make reconciliation with his family. He knew what he needed to do. He had to reconcile with his family. His nephew Fred welcomes him in and Scrooge, his redemption is complete. Well, guess who we need to be reconciled with? Our family as well. Our family as in God the Father. And that is why Jesus came. Christmas is an invitation into a relationship with God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Christ was born so that we might be reconciled to God. Christ was born that we might be restored in our relationship with God. Christ was born that we might be redeemed. When we accept this invitation, we will discover that we have been redeemed. We've been purchased. We've neither earned it nor do we deserve it. It was a gift from God. You see the transformation take place in A Christmas Carol. It goes from that description of the squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner to becoming this at the end of the book. As good a friend... As good a master, as good a man, as good as the old city knew or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. He went from being 
hated and distance kept from him to being accepted with a new direction and a new future. Can I tell you this is the gospel story? This is the gospel story. It's a Christmas story for thousands of years. The earth has been up in a tree looking for the Messiah. And when he appeared, when he comes into our world and invites himself into our life, we become a new creation just like Zacchaeus. And we're given the hope of eternal life. Jesus has come into our world to be invited into your life. doesn't matter your past. doesn't matter your present. All that matters is your future. And that future found in Christ. You can be, by God's grace, changed by God's power. And it will change the course of your life. And when you come to the place where you realize you have no actual power, you will turn to the capital S, source. The source who is God. The power of God to shape, change and shape lives. There's a promise of Christmas past. There's a certainty of Christmas present. But that means your future Christmases are being written. Jesus came to transform you, transform your life, and transform your future. To make you, to make Scrooge, to make Zacchaeus into a new creation. To take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's where we find ourselves. That's what we see change in Scrooge's life. That's what we see change in Zacchaeus' life. And I pray that's what we see change in your life. The good news of Christmas is we're not doomed by our past. With God's help, we can change our present and we can change our future. And my heartfelt prayer is that you will follow in the ways of Scrooge and follow in the ways of Zacchaeus and start thinking about the commitments that you've made and the commitments that you will be making, the, the, the choices that you have to face, and even more so and more importantly, to begin thinking about who or what is going to be at the center of your life as you go forward into the future. What is the thing and who is the thing that you are going to worship? Honor Christmas in your heart. Try to keep it all year. Recognize why Jesus came for you. Abide in Jesus, who is the Alpha and Omega and everything in between, who sees and knows our past. He sees and knows our present, and he also sees and knows our future. Let the Spirit of God dwell in your heart and let it strive to do its work within you. Don't shut out the lessons that life is trying to teach you. That's one of the things that Scrooge actually says that, uh, that has stood out to me. But here's what Paul says as he wraps up that passage that Pastor Bruce read up front in verse 8. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have been believed in God might be careful to devote themselves to do good works. They, these are good and profitable for everyone. I'll tell you, it seems like all year long we've been focusing on these words. Do good works. Ephesians, James, now as we look at Scrooge and Titus, do good works. You have a heart that's been changed. It's not about you anymore. It's about God. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your treasure. Be generous with your talents. Be generous with your testimony. Share it with people. You see the change affect the life of Scrooge. You see it affect the life of Zacchaeus. Has the change that God giving you a new heart affected your life? Are you still that old sinner? You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. I want to close with this. A hundred years from now, 2123, the house that you live in now will be lived in by somebody else. The car you drive, if it still exists, will be in some museum somewhere. Better yet, in a scrapyard. All the things that you work so hard for will be 
in a museum, or at least represented in a museum. I had to laugh that the um, the the Museum of uh, History has recently placed in a Walkman and a Discman, and I'm like, I own both of those things. That does not make me happy. But the truth of the matter is, those were things that were very important back in the day. Now they're just behind museum quality glass. The things we strive for, the things that matter, a hundred years from now. It, it was interesting uh, when, when Peyton and I went to uh, Green Bay. Part of their uh, stadium has the Hall of Fame and all the players. We went on this tour around Green Bay where Curly Lambeau actually lived at and grew up at because he grew up in Green Bay and uh, where Vince Lombardi was at and, and the places where they held all their, all these different just places around that they, somebody went through and put plaques on everything and made sure that you could understand this is the heritage tour of how Green Bay got to be what it was. You realize Green Bay is no bigger than Rio Rancho in size, yet it has an NFL professional football team. And it walks through the reasons why and all the things. But I look at these busts of these men in bronze and I don't have a clue who they are. And I know a lot about Packers history. I don't know. I don't have a clue who they are. I don't know what they've done. The question is, do even their kids or grandkids know? Where was their investment? Where did they invest in the things that were necessary? How, how are we going to be remembered as time moves on? How are we going to know that our lives actually made a difference? It's the change that comes from Jesus Christ and living for Him and not for ourselves. If you've experienced that change, my challenge to you, even as we go into the holiday season, but especially as we go into the new year, live for Him. And if you've never experienced that change, today's the day. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the message that you've given us. Found in a, a story that's 180 years old. A story that would seem to not really even fit other than it fits exactly with who we are. Our past determine so much of our present and then it carries on into our future unless we do something to change it. That's something God is follow you. If we continue to live for ourselves, if we continue to live for the things of this world, it's only going to disappoint. But God, as we live for you, as we lift you up, maybe even say, here's my Ebenezer. Here's that moment that I will remember, that stone of help that caused me to change and start living in a way that is going to change my future and the future of those around me. God, we want you to have all the praise and all the glory with every day of our lives. May it start today. We pray in your name.